if you're thinking about starting a company or joining a New Zealand company, you are amidst already some of the smartest and brightest and best folks that end up going on to scale worldwide at that billion dollar mark. That's what a unicorn company is. And I think that it's really important that we continue to tell those stories. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and great to have Savannah Peterson back in the studio. How are you? Oh, delighted to be back in New Zealand and seated next to my favorite tech commentator. Oh, keep that coming. I cannot believe that it's been since March 2020 since we got to do one of these, and mm. it is just a joy to be back, and wow, do we have some exciting topics for today. Yeah, we do. There's There's been so much going on, uh, and I'm yeah, very keen to get your insights and just thoughts on on a you know a range of things. Um, first up, on the New Zealand front, we've been uh, seeing coverage around the world, actually, about uh, Rocket Lab um, self-funding. Uh, mission to search for life in the clouds of Venus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Just a lofty sentence in and of <laughs> itself to be able to say that. It is very cool. And as usual, New Zealand leading on a space front, much more than sometimes I think we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, really sort of actually. Um, and there's, you know, there's a chunk of, of uh, content online for those that are wanting to uh, to drill in and, and read what, um, you know, what Rocket Lab have shared on that front. Um, but as I was having a, a little bit of a, you know, a wander around the web, what I also came across uh, was the keynote that Peter Beck has just given at the SmallSat 2022 uh, conference. And so, um, interesting sort of turn of, turn of events. Now, I haven't actually finished watching it yet, um, but enthralled. So, if you are a fan of and a person that's interested in in space and what goes on in space, and especially Rocket Lab and, and New Zealand's uh, involvement in that world, uh, then this is is a really uh, fascinating video, and it starts off with um, with Pete sort of, I, I guess, explaining why he's not there to deliver it in person at the event, and uh, and he got uh, he got uh, beyond the uh, lounge and just about on board the plane. When he decided that his his shivers and whatnot, he okay. must have had he must have been pretty unwell, um, and uh, and and his stomach sounded like food poisoning, um, sort of took over, and he decided probably not so uh, a safe bet to jump on the plane. Um, but he was, I mean, the, his presentation was uh, from what I saw of it so far rock solid. I'm looking forward to catching the rest of it um, after this, but some great insights and uh, probably probably the uh, the bit that I liked the best uh, was the title. No, that's a bit harsh to say, isn't it? Because it's the content <laughs> that the content of it was really it's good. A little but, vain, little but, vain there. <laughs> but, but but the t- the titles the title of his keynote stood out, which was from uh, drain pipe to the moon. And this was alluding, and I didn't know this, but when Rocket Lab first unveiled the rocket, it was actually not a prototype that was made out of the materials that the actual uh, electron launch vehicle would be made out of, sort of carbon fiber and so on. 
actually there was a there was a drain pipe um there sitting sitting out so um, pretty big drain so, to be fair but yes, yes. yeah <laughs> pretty impressive but yeah certainly certainly made me laugh so yeah it was a good a good way to start and there's there's all sorts of um other you know interesting insights in there i think so well worth the watch. Might be something for you to download Definitely. for your uh, your flight back to uh, absolutely uh, back to San Francisco this evening. Yeah, I, I I need my space in all forms and facets, and I, I can't wait to watch his talk. I love too that the way that he's being transparent about this because I think a lot when we talk about MVPs, minimum viable products as startups and entrepreneurs, we're thinking about something that has to be an extremely expensive prototype and machined at the highest quality and, and, and an exact looks like, feels like model. And the reality is companies in the Silicon Valley as well as across the world, they're just hacking it together to show proof of concept. And you know, if Rocket Lab can do it with a drain pipe, think about what other <laughs> entrepreneurs could do with things they can find around the house. I mean, who knows? Maybe this glass and microphone could turn into a prototype for us at some point. You just, just never know. Never know. But never, perception never is reality. Yeah. And people thought it was a rocket. And <laughs> it's great. I love it. Now, I should roll back because we started the podcast without giving you a chance to let listeners know where you fit into this big wide world of tech and New Zealand for those who uh, maybe don't know you. So um, yes. a, quick, a quick intro from Honestly, you. it's kind of sweet that you didn't intro me because I feel a bit like I'm becoming more of a name here and, and starting to become a part of the furniture. So Perhaps that was a Freudian slip to a degree, but my name is Savannah Peterson. Most people call me Savvy, and I am many things tech in New Zealand. I've been a judge for the New Zealand High Tech Awards for seven years running. Hopefully we'll be there again next year and have seen you there at almost all of the events. I am also an Edmund Hillary Fellow. Very excited to have my Global Impact Visa finally and to be back in country now that the border's open, so I'll be spending a lot more time here. And I'm also a beachhead advisor for NZDE. So I help all of the Kiwi companies that are exporting largely into North America, but into the rest of the world. I work with over 40 different companies now. And I run an agency called Savvy Millennial that helps New Zealand businesses build their reputation abroad. So I am a big Kiwi evangelist, proud public speaker on your stages and around the world. And most importantly, your favorite guest today. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to have you on the show and great that you have built this connection with New Zealand and you keep coming back. Uh, I feel so very lucky you all. Uh, it's great that you finally, finally made it back mm. um, after all yeah. the lockdowns and travel challenges and uh, and so on. Um, also, I would like to mention a big thank you to our show partners, Two Degrees, Vodafone, Spark, HP, Gorilla Technology, Cyclone and Aruba, and of course, for not just their support of the New Zealand Tech Podcast, but of the broader you know, technology and innovation ecosystems here in New Zealand. Now, this 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 whole you know talking about space seems to be that we've got a you know a few more bits to talk about with space today. It seems to be uh, this week uh, of all the the tech topics, a lot of it is um, is space related. Um, NASA, the Voyager mission uh, that launched 45 years ago, yeah, still going. And I was uh, I was just looking through and reading some of the some of the news. So launched in uh, 1977. Uh, so Voyager one and Voyager two still cruising. Uh, Twelve 
billion miles or nearly 20 billion uh, kilometers from Earth now. That is unfathomable. It is. It is, isn't it? It's way out there in, in the edge of our solar system. And I was reading, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that had NASA not taken advantage of this when they did, they couldn't have optimized the planetary alignment that happens only once in every 170-something years, so kind of three generations. Imagine the foresight and the amount of patience. Every time I hear about these projects, it takes years and years, decades often, to see results from the activities and the endeavors that we do in space. And I'm always so impressed by the hundreds and thousands of people who will come together to create these projects so that we can have these moments and, and see the world beyond our beautiful little rock here. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. There's, I mean, really in recent times there's been a real acceleration. But of course we we forget of all the foundations that have been laid and the hard work yep. that's gone on uh, in the years gone by to to you know where we're getting to you know this point where putting something up into into space is a is a whole different story you know than what yeah. it was just you know a few few short years ago so um, one yeah. of the things that is very cool actually something that that nasa has in common with kiwis is i've had the luxury of being a part of some of the nasa social program and creating content for nasa with a variety of their launches and some spacex stuff as well when you go in and talk to these teams about the development of this revolutionary technology and you try and give them a compliment and say, wow, this is really amazing. You guys have done such a good job. They'll often say, oh, no, it takes thousands of us or it takes so many people. And it, I mean, it really does when it comes to space. Mm, but it's mm. it's really endearing when you think about these sort of astronauts and space jockeys having just such gratitude and appreciation for the opportunity to do the work they do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, well, I guess, yeah, there's, there's, there's just this huge change in terms of the uh, you know this the scale of New Zealand's involvement with space, right? I mean, we've we've had you know key people involved mm-hmm. in NASA and 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 other you know areas of um, of space you know research and, and exploration you know, over quite a long period of time. Yeah. But, you know, boy, has that uh, escalated. You know, it's not just it's not just Rocket Lab. I mean, we have so many things going on mm-hmm. uh, in New Zealand from a, from a space and aerospace type uh, perspective. I know you're involved in, uh, in, a, in at least one of those. Um, we've got uh, what's coming up in Christchurch very very soon September the September oh, yeah. the 5th the we have the New Zealand Aerospace Summit coming up on the 5th of September, if you happen to be in Christchurch or if you love aerospace, definitely recommend checking that out. A lot of key players, including including Rocket Lab. We've got Kia Aerospace, who I have the pleasure of talking to quite quite uh, frequently, and many other players going to be down there. It always impresses me, and, and you know me, I really try and be an antidote to tall poppy syndrome down here. New Zealand doesn't give itself enough credit for the level of space innovation that's happening here on these two beautiful islands. And the reality is there are only 11 nations on Earth that are orbital. New Zealand is one of them. Most people around the world have heard of Rocket Lab, and very soon they will have heard of a lot of these other companies, particularly in Christchurch, that are about to pop out and and make their big global debut. 
that's pretty magical. If, mm -hmm. if you're a, a young mind or an older mind, not to be ageist in either way, if you're interested in space, you don't have to go to the United States or to a different country to find the right teams to work on. There is world-class teams and projects happening right here. And it's so, it's so cool to see. It's really nice. It is. It's, it's great. And, you know, of course, having the, the, you know, the exciting activity that's, that's going on in New Zealand, you know, hopefully that sort of comes through in our, you know, next generation and they take that interest and, you know, this sector can just, you know, keep, keep growing as has to a degree, the New Zealand tech sector has been growing, you know, growing very well. Yeah. Um, but there's still, there's still that challenge in terms of bringing through enough people of the next generation uh, to, uh, you know, into the, into the sector. So there's still, you know, still a journey ahead that we've yeah. all still got some work to do. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think that, celebrating and elevating stories like we're doing today is really important. I mean, I don't think that most people are aware that there's companies like Skybase who have a flight autonomy upgrade system that can take your personal airplane, because I know we all have a personal airplane, or existing aircrafts and turn them into drones for firefighting. And when we think about it's, it, I, we're talking about space, but something that space has often been guilty of is having real high climate impact. Now, New Zealand's approaching this very differently, which I think is pretty special. You look at Rocket Lab, they're a great example. I didn't know this till I met the Skybase squad. 17% of the world's carbon emissions comes from fire. So if we can figure out how to put our fires out better, holy moly, that's almost a fifth of our carbon emission. Probably not eliminated, let's be realistic about it. But there's a really dramatic opportunity to do that. And if we can do that safely, if, if no one has to be in that aircraft to go fight that fire, de-risks the, the impact on our people, and it also increases the ability for our Earth to sustain itself, which I think is really powerful. Also down in Christchurch, another company to check out is Kia Aerospace. They are doing a solar-powered stratospheric aircraft. And what I love about them is that they are a climate-sensitive and climate-aware project being solar-powered that is trying to do climate-friendly activities. So they mm. can help with environmental monitoring, they can help with disaster relief. They can fly into the middle of ash plume from the Tonga explosion and be able to report back, again, without risking human life and also give us the insights and visibility that we need to be able to solve the problems that are happening here on our planet. It's pretty magical. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. It's um, Mark Rocket is the chief executive there, isn't he? Uh, yes. Who was involved in the early days of, of Rocket Labs. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Mark and the team are lovely. I got to go... Mm check out their their uh, aircraft and they have some really cool astronaut suits in the office when you walk in and wow is there about to be some exciting stuff I'm I'm privy to things I can't announce just yet but definitely watch this space check out Kia Aerospace there are going to be quite a few announcements coming in the next few months yeah yeah and and so much uh you know so much more going on in New Zealand as well, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's oh, yeah. uh, it's a very busy sector. Um, Dawn Aerospace, of course, down down there as well. And um, it's a space um, party. Yeah. So we do we need to we need to do probably a little bit more on the New Zealand Tech Podcast and the on the space side. Not that we haven't been, you know, talking space over over quite a few uh, years, but uh, yeah, we could probably squeeze in a, a little bit more down that track. So um, watch the space. Sorry, 
Can't, can't resist. Can't resist a good pun. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't want you to. I mean, I could even see you eventually having the New Zealand Space Podcast as a monthly show where we're talking about all the wonderful things that are happening down there. It probably should be done. Maybe it? with your favorite Bond co-host. <laughs> Shameless plug, everyone. Write in the comments how much you enjoyed this conversation. Excellent. Um, <laughs> now, on um, you know, there, there is some non-space stuff going on. Um, now, we, we talked recently about European Union and work they're doing in terms of bringing, potentially bringing sort of speed limiting um, in to the European Union. And they've kind of got a, they're you know, working away on, on a bit of a, you know, a bit of a program for that. Um, but New York has taken a slightly different approach. So, you know, with this sort of technology, and I guess it, you know, it's the case with a lot of things that we, we do in tech. You can put a monitoring system in place that you know tells mm-hmm. you what's happening, and then when you get to a level of comfort, you can you know turn the turn the dial and say actually when this thing happens, then you know take a particular action. And uh, so in this case, with European Union, are kind of you know monitoring what's happening, sort of you know speed wise with with technology and vehicles. Um, City of New York have basically said, "Well, we're actually we're just we're just turning this stuff uh, on, haven't they, for their uh, for their vehicles? So it's just um, uh, you know actually forcibly restricting the maximum speed of of some of their vehicles. Now they're starting out um, with fifty vehicles within the city fleet, um, but actually they have something like thirty thousand uh, vehicles that come under the city of New York." And so um, presuming this this first stage is successful, they're going to extend that out across their entire fleet. Now, this is quite an interesting one in terms of how, you yes, know, how much is. control do you put and, and how far and wide do we go you know, with these things. We, some like me, would believe we are moving towards an autonomous future anyway in which the vehicles are just going to drive themselves. And if a vehicle's driving itself, well... As a general rule, you're probably not going to be setting the dials for that autonomous vehicle to be, you know, breaking speed limits and so on, right? You want it right. to, you want it to sort of behave to to some degree, unless we want the robots just to, you know, take over and go nuts. Yeah. Um, but you know, and look, you know, I've found for myself, and and you know, when you're using, you know, varying um, assistive technology in a vehicle. That you know, setting your setting your dial to uh, to the speed limit, you yeah. know, you can actually get comfortable with that. As someone that used to drive a little bit faster when I was a little bit younger, you know, it's the evolution of cruise control to a degree. It's a feature yeah. that's been in vehicles for a long time. We've been regulating the speed of scooters as they become more popular on city streets. I think that in certain situations, especially with scooters, it makes a lot of sense. I'm not trying to say that I'm super pro speeding. I have a couple questions about this project, though. While I think, in theory, it sounds really lovely, I was taking the public bus here in Auckland last week, and I've been staying up in in Manly, and I heard the bus. It was cute because the bus driver was driving quickly. I was the only person in the bus, so I guess yeah, we both yeah, felt yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah. And this little dinging sound kept going <laughs> off, and, <laughs> and after it went off for about the 15th time, the bus driver told me, oh, that's, that's the system telling me to slow down oh, because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. able to track them already. So... And New Zealand is often ahead of the game with certain stuff like this. And, and you know, you saw FPOS long before, I mean, literally almost a decade before we did, which is wild in the United States. But 
So I think there's, in a sense, I'm wondering if this does any more than that does. And yeah, okay, maybe he gets penalized or maybe not. Maybe it just gets recorded that he's speeding in the bus <laughs> with me in it. But when you regulate something like this, my only concern, and if we, if every vehicle was autonomous and we're all leveraging LIDAR, I don't think this is much of, as much of a risk, but it's going to be a long time before there's only autonomous vehicles on the road. And in this case, I mean, this does add a level of autonomy, I think, kind of to a degree, if you think about it from a bigger picture. But what concerns me about this is in the event that there's an external factor that's happening, somebody uh, steps out and, and, you know, jumps out, tries to leap at your vehicle, or there's a careening, I'm thinking of New York in the, in the winter, I used to live in Manhattan, if there's a truck sliding down the road because it's icy and you need to accelerate even temporarily to get out of the way and your car is speed restricted, who's liable if something happens to that city employee in the event that they can't escape? And so you know, having an emergency override, airplanes are similar in this way and, in, and there are ways to, hopefully in most cases, and with the exception of the Boeing, Max to be able to override some of these systems when when things happen that shouldn't happen, but I'm hoping that this is something that they're thinking about in that regard. That yeah, said, yeah. 50 vehicles sounds like a nice prototype. We'll see what happens. Very curious to see. I would really love to have understood why they felt this was such a problem in the first place. However, yeah, yeah. Look, it's a really interesting one to to navigate. You know, in my case, you know, we have Tesla. It's a company vehicle staff members, you know, some of them maybe haven't been driving as long as I have, haven't maybe got a little bit more conservative over more years of driving as it, you know, it took me a little while to recognize. I you that, having a little uh, fun uh, behind know. the wheel from time to time. <laughs> that, you know, there is, there are some safety benefits to, to following these, you know, these signs that come up with suggestions around maximum speeds, right? Yeah. So there's been this sort of thing I've been working through as, you know, how much do you rely on just encouraging team to like, here's kind of how you should drive and how much do you just go into the app and go, yeah, you could, you could, you know, drive to whatever, you know, city you're going to today, take the vehicle. It's good. You know, low carbon emissions, all of that. That's good. Mm -hmm. But also I have this app here that lets me set a little speed limit while you're uh, using the car. Um, you know how could how, be great for new drivers too. So yeah, just you know, working like through this because there's a health and safety aspect, right? If you give somebody that's just got their license and they're um, maybe haven't learned so much discipline around their driving, a vehicle that can you know quite quickly get into an excess of 200 kilometers an hour or so. Uh, so so I'm told I've tested it at that speed once upon a time. I don't I don't recall I don't recall that at all. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, this was my son telling me he insists that I've I've tested it. Anyway, um, so you know when those things are, those things are possible from you know from a health and safety perspective, you know do you put these things in place? So I can sort of understand if you're dealing with a totally fleet of thirty thousand vehicles. Um, yeah, it's the, the you know, it, you could easily put it on the, you know, if you think of it and how important health and safety is considered these days, you could put it back on, say, the directors or whoever's liable for the city of New York if they give a, 
you know, a dangerous weapon, as you could call a vehicle, yep. uh, without the right training or without taking advantage maybe some technology switches that gave, give a level of control, right? Yeah. So, but that's, yeah, how you get that right, it's, um, that's a challenge. Yeah, I wonder why they wouldn't just switch these fleet vehicles to EV before they prioritize this for a, for a better world. In, and I, I'm sure you have gotten to test drive quite a few just as an anecdote that's related. I was at the, an EV conference in Long Beach two months ago, and I got to, on a track, although some of it was all on the street as well, I got to really test out a couple <laughs> of the higher-end, the Lucid, the uh, Polestar, and, and some of the nicer EVs. A lot of fun to uh, let those loose, not, not going to lie. So, yeah, yeah, and that's one yeah, of the challenges, right? There's the, the fun yeah. aspect versus the safety aspect. Those two don't necessarily fit together perfectly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now, on to, on to other topics. I'm keen to hear a little bit about some of your experiences while you've been here in New Zealand and, you know, what you've been up to. Um, now, uh, you were sharing a little bit about some of your experiences with, um, with your iPhone. Yes. So I don't mean for this to take a horribly morbid turn, but I am currently facing quite a big personal challenge, full disclosure to everyone. My brother is battling stage four brain cancer and at the end of life right now. And so there's, I think about my phone in a very different way. It's, it's my gateway to him. He's in Germany having experimental treatment. But over the course of this journey, a lot of things have, have happened to us. And when you have brain cancer, you're not always in your right mind. And there have been multiple times where having certain features on iPhone have been, or I'm sure Android has the same, have been really helpful. So a couple of examples. One, he's the only person on earth that I have ever permanently shared my location with. So we both always know where the other guy is. And so when things are happening or if he's not responding to his phone, it's very nice to be able to look at it and determine whether he's been taken to the hospital, whether he's at home, whether he's at a treatment center without having to panic, call his wife and and fuel that fire. We also we had an incident where he he wandered away from the place that he was staying without his cell phone. And I was able to use iPhone to remote identify where his Apple watch was. And I think this is really a cross generational feature. And we were able to find him actually quite quickly without having to involve the police. It's such a scary moment when those things happen. And I was really grateful for the tech and then in more of a personal, and I promise it's about to get lighter now in a lighter note, I'm a little bit absent-minded as a result of this happening right now. And a little more spacey to keep the puns rolling than I have been <laughs> lately. So I happened to misplace my iPhone after the New Zealand High Tech Awards. And the next morning was able to very easily jump onto my computer, leverage find my iPhone, and put up a lock screen that not only let the person know that I knew where the phone was and also give them a phone number to call my friend who was thankfully there to, to help me. Shout out to Des who saved my morning and a, and a big headache by going to track down my other friend Hamish who happened to have put my phone in his jacket pocket. So being able to, and it was cute, he showed up at my hotel room and held up the phone and you know I could see the lock screen and the whole thing had worked. <laughs> and it was really comforting to yeah. know, yeah, we're all humans and we're gonna make errors and it wouldn't matter if you were dealing with something like I'm dealing with right now or not. Having these features takes such a headache out of it. And, you know, I was due to fly to Christchurch the next day I don't have a lot of time to mill around with lost and founds trying to find where this might be. In my head, I was already thinking, oh, I'll just have to buy a new phone. And I'm in a privileged position where that's an option. 
most people aren't. But I think it was it, it was so comforting to know that this was going to be the case. And the last thing that just happened, which was actually quite hilarious, and thankfully there's been this series of events that already teed up, so it didn't put this person into panic. But I put my phone in the bag or in my bag last night on the ferry, and for whatever reason, it did the three tap on the side and activated my SOS. Oh. Now, I didn't realize this. I'm on a ferry, right? Yeah, in the middle, yeah. uh, I was on my way back up to Gulf Harbor. And here, my, and my phone is sending out an emergency SOS to my emergency contacts. Thankfully, I believe it's only my mother who, who is on there right now. It sends this SOS to my mom. And she sends me this rather comical text. Bless you, mom. I hope you end up watching this. You're so sweet. She, she goes, why am I getting an emergency SOS from you? You know, are, are you okay? And do I need to send the Coast Guard or somebody? Like, what are you doing in the middle of the ocean right now? I'm like thinking to myself, geez, get it together, Savannah. You know, how many more things can happen with my devices and my wallet that I left in Australia and whatever. It all just is what it is right now. But what was really nice about that is I think sometimes we don't take advantage of these features. And I think that we think it's more of like a big brother thing or – whatever, but I, I really encourage people to share your location with a few loved ones. It just brings peace of mind in general. And also, you know, if you're wondering if the SOS feature works, it absolutely does. And make sure that you have the right people, especially when you're traveling, I realize, okay, I need to add someone from New Zealand to my emergency contacts yeah. so that when this happens next time, someone's a little bit closer than my mother in California to come and get me. But while I, while I wish the circumstances were a little less Tragic, and I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to go through these feature sets and see that it does actually work. And it was, you know, it was instant, and it kept beaming my location to my mom throughout the whole course of the SOS until, of course, I figured out that it was there and was able to do something about it. So, I think, um, yeah, it's 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 been a reminder in a lot of capacities how tech can really be a tool for good, and. Also, just on a very literal note, it's been a reminder that at some point in life, our location won't be found, and we got to live this life to the fullest. That's a good message. Cheers, mate. Yeah, no, it's look, it, it's it's so true. And we had a member of our team pass away a, a few months ago, and um, you know, when these things happen, uh, it does help you step back and you know just consider. This 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 is a reality, and uh, you know how do we how do we take advantage of of the time that we have because we don't know how long that is going to be anyway, right? Yeah. Um, but there's so many other things that sort of that cross into this space as well. Um, so you know what happens to all your all your data that family might want to get hold of after you mm -hmm. pass away, particularly where these things happen unexpectedly, and uh, you know how how do um, you know the varying whether it's social media firms or whether it's, you know, Apple and Google and others, how do they, uh, you know, cope with these things and, and can they help us? And what we have seen, uh, and I remember you know, looking at this and talking about it when my mother passed away a few years ago, um, is these things have been maturing and improving. So we're, you know, yeah. the world the world is, is, you know, I guess we get past the, hey, we've got this thing, new thing called social media to actually, hey, what are the implications? And some of the implications, of course, of social media, we are, as a, as a society, still totally, you know, like struggling with in a... In a still learning in about, a, too. I mean, a, I don't think we know way, the impact. Right? Yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And my condolences both to the NZ podcast family as well as to, to your colleagues' family. 
It's rough. I think we've all we've all lost someone. We've all had to deal with that data drop. We've all had to deal with the shocking moment to, you know, when do you take someone's profile offline? When do you take away their phone? I went to tag one of my friends who passed away in June on in on a tribute that I wrote to him on LinkedIn and his his LinkedIn profile had been deleted. And it sounds strange, but there was an additional moment of grief when that happened because now he's erased from digital memory. Mm-hmm. And I think as we think about our digital legacy as much as our human legacy, there's a lot of complicated philosophical and moral things going on there. And since we never know what's going to happen next, I think it's important to have a conversation with the people you love and, and figure out, you know, what that might be and who do you trust with your password in the event that that something happens because the last thing you want to do is deal with it. Quick shout out to my Twitter followers because that is my most honest platform. I'm at Savvy Savvy. And I have been very transparent and admittedly extraordinarily emo during the last, well, during the two and a half years I was locked in my apartment alone and, and in addition to during this journey. You would be surprised how much the world supports you when you open your heart to it. And I've really felt in a community that's not always necessarily associated with empathy, the tech community, <laughs> no offense to everyone, <laughs> I have been amazingly supported, as has my brother and, and everyone else that has been impacted by what's going on. So it's, it's great to have people rooting for you. Yeah, certainly, certainly is. And yeah, we we can, you know, quite easily sort of focus at, at times on, yeah, the the negative aspects of some of their social media platforms and, mm-hmm. and so on. But, you know, every platform, um, you know, we we get a we get a good and a, and a bad and ultimately it comes down to to us as people. Right. And how we utilize the technology because it's, it's it's a tool and we can yeah. utilize it we can be complete beep beep beeps uh or yeah. we can you know <laughs> we can use these platforms and and actually you know uh be be empathetic and uh yeah. and great things can can come through that so yeah it's so good don't to, be a troll it's good, it's good to, and it's good leverage these platforms these for yeah. for the right reasons yeah for sure um Anything else that you wanted to uh, wanted to delve into? We've we've sort of dived into space and all sorts of other um, bits and pieces. I th- you know I think one I guess one of the the areas of common ground we have is this interest in seeing uh, the New Zealand uh, technology uh, world continue to grow and evolve oh in God, a yes. in a positive way. And you know you've certainly uh, you know just continued to to contribute to uh, to the tech sector um, and you know, in so many ways, I've you know over quite a quite a long period of time now. Um, what are the things that have sort of been on your radar, maybe from that perspective? Without getting a little too soapboxy, <laughs> I think that that there are people and platforms here that don't do as much as they could to celebrate and elevate the rising stars within New Zealand and the creative ideas that come from this country. I, w- I told you I've been singing your praises the last few weeks as I've been on a little bit of a road show talking about people doing the right thing to, to bring light to these companies and, and some of the traditional outlets that are really great at cutting people down that are trying to be brave. And I have absolutely no patience for that. I don't mind if that offends anyone listening because the reality is clickbait and some of these stories that really are looking to bait and switch the people who are the bravest in this country when it comes to business and technology It doesn't help anyone, and it certainly doesn't inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs. And I learned a pretty wild fact. I will try and get a link to where this data came from so that nobody can tell me I'm full of it. But when I was, uh, like I said, I do a lot of work with NZTE. 
And so I'm lucky in the sense that I get to see a lot of these rising stars quite literally and physically and, and know the, the different arenas that they cover from SaaS to hardware to space to food. It's, it's, it's extremely inspiring. And the Wellington office informed me last or two weeks ago that the when you look at founders of unicorn companies in the United States across the board, New Zealand is number 15 on the list of people producing those brilliant minds. But if you look at it per capita, and New Zealand loves to point out its population, I don't know a single place on earth that talks about how many people live here more than New Zealand does, and, and not necessarily in a positive way, New Zealand is number one. So if you're thinking about starting a company or joining a New Zealand company, you are amidst already some of the smartest and brightest and best folks that end up going on to scale worldwide at that billion dollar mark. That's what a unicorn company is. And I think that it's really important that we continue to tell those stories. And I want to hear about them on your podcast and, and in other platforms more than just on my friend's LinkedIn posts, because that happens yeah, to be yeah, how I discover yeah. things like Parkable's meta deal, for example. Mm, yeah, it's pretty cool. Super cool. And nobody knows about that. And here you've got a New Zealand company doing something unique. Their story starts at a Mount Eden All Blacks game and people trying to find parking, and then they're doing business with one of the largest companies on earth. If that's not a success story, I don't know what is, and I can guarantee you not enough people have talked about it here. Yeah, I know. I I agree, and we've got to do more of it. And uh, you know, part of our um, you know goal that we've been working on is to start bringing you know more of the startups back into the tech podcast. We you know we had varying times. We, Sometimes we chat to more, sometimes less, um, but that's certainly part of where we're, um, you know, heading. And we've certainly had a you know chunk of that uh, this year. Yeah, the Parkable one's interesting because I remember we you know we did discuss it on on uh, on the episode when that news came out, um, but we haven't yet had the chance to sort of sit down and actually hear the hear the full uh, the full background story. And in fact, I remember going back. They're lovely. Quite a few years, um, and it pro- it was probably before Parkable were founded with somebody with with an idea that you know was was related to what Parkable were doing. I think maybe it had been done offshore uh, to a degree at that point. There was yeah. you know, um, but boy, um, like yeah, seeing what Parkable have achieved so far is is really exciting. And we just have so many of these stories that we need to keep telling. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Whip and around. Keep- I mean, you look at automotive, it's a rising industry just like spaces here in New Zealand. Mm. And again, not a lot of people are talking about fleet management, solution software. And But when you look at the scale and scope of what's possible and frankly how fast they're growing, it's impressive. We got to mm. gotta celebrate it. Mm. You know we got to talk about the black hole sound, right? We, we do, actually, we, we do. We the, the, question, the question is, are we, geared, are we geared up? To, I think we're you, geared up. To hear it, so do you want to play it, and then you can explain what's yes. what's going on? So if please if, don't freak out, folks. I was just gonna say, <laughs> if haunting noises are not your jam, I would encourage you to mute this for the next fifteen seconds. But I am gonna <laughs> let it play for a second. stuff of nightmares my god so that is the sound of a black hole big myth that space is quiet completely quiet yes space is a vacuum so we can't hear a lot of things but the 
Perseus Galaxy Cluster has a black hole at the center of it that is surrounded by so much gas that we can hear sound as a result of that using radar from the Chandra X-ray Observatory or similar to radar. This is a, a pretty crazy sound to detect for those musicians in the room or in the audience rather. It is 57 octaves below middle C. So so very, very low level sound and but also extremely haunting. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine someone's going to be sampling that and uh, including that into. Uh, it sounds very sort of electronic music, but this is actually captured from the big wide universe, so it's it's very yeah. Cool. And we'll share a link to that. It's on NASA's home uh, homepage right now, actually, as well. But I do, I think you're absolutely onto it. I, I'm, I suspect, even in the last few hours since we started talking about this. There are already the remixes and yeah. mashups <laughs> of of the sound of the black hole. I did not expect that to be something in our lifetime that we were going to be hearing. But you know, I guess hot gas can be translated into into notes. So why not? But is it just hot gas? <laughs> exactly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you came for the tech news, and you're getting way more puns and jokes than we were expecting. I hope you all are enjoying it very much. All right. Well, I think that's just about us for this. Uh, this week, but so. we will look forward to your next uh, visit. Uh, so when when will you be back in New Zealand? So I will be back in New Zealand to do two events for IDC for their INTEP community. Check it out if you're unfamiliar with that with Des Smith and Louise mid-October. And then my fellowship onboarding welcome weekend is Halloween weekend. It's the last weekend of October, so I'll be here for that. And very soon I'll be here for keeps. So I'll see you in a few weeks. That's very exciting. It's very it exciting. It's very well, exciting. thanks, everyone, for listening into the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Of course, thank you uh, to Savannah Peterson. Great to have had you here. Um, and to our show partners, uh, Aruba, Cyclone, Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark, Vodafone, and Two Degrees for their great support. Uh, now, where do people track you down online? Where's the best place to find you? It's very easy to stalk me online. So you can Google Savannah Peterson, savannahpeterson.com. My agency is Savvy Millennial. Didn't realize most people can't spell the word millennial or else I never would have named my company with millennial in in the line. (laughs) Double L, double N, just FYI. Drop me an email, Savannah at Savvy Millennial. Or if you want to get me where I am most frequently, it's on Twitter at SavIsSavvy. Instagram, same thing. YouTube channel is uh, C slash Savvy Millennial as well. Just going to shamelessly plug everything. And I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. And Paul and I are connected on every single one of the channels that I just stated. So <laughs> if you look at the most recent post, you should be able to find us from there. It's probably the easiest. Ex- most importantly, thanks for having me. No, it's always a pleasure. And uh, just a reminder, if you are uh, watching the live stream, then, of course, you should go and find a podcast app, your favorite app, and subscribe to NZT Podcast there. Uh, if you're listening to the New Zealand Tech Podcast and you would like to sometimes get access to uh, the live streams because they come out a little bit earlier than the audio podcast, um, then do find us on your favorite platform. Uh, link, if you follow me on LinkedIn, uh, that's the that's probably the easiest place because uh, LinkedIn is very good at uh, popping these things to the top. Um, but also we're across Twitter, uh, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. So very easy to find. Yeah, basically if you can't find us, you might want to check on your internet skills. <laughs> and say that with love. We're here for you. And I would love to love to hear what you thought of the show and talk about space at your leisure. Excellent. Well, thanks, everyone. We look forward to catching you again next week.
All right. See you later. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive.